0: Hi, this is J.P. Mac and welcome to Liberty ReLearn, not just another conservative blog. Okay, today is part three of a series where I go back uh, throughout the entire catalog of podcasts and basically also for the blog as well. And I go over all of the major topics that have been covered on the podcast. So, in the first episode, I covered things like the basics of conservatism, uh, defining conservatism, what it is, what it is not. In the second part, I cover things uh, like the idea of human rights, um, things of that nature. Uh, Today, I want to talk about, in part three, I want to dedicate to... Uh, COVID-19 because that is a major part um, it's been a major topic uh, virtually all of the Liberty Relearn podcast episodes almost everyone has some sort of mention of COVID-19 so I want to dedicate this episode entirely to COVID-19 covid 19 measures and COVID-19 responses. And so first I want to start out with covering the COVID-19 measures. I'll take a examine uh, one by one the major major measures that have been taken uh, in the name of fighting COVID-19. Uh, first would be the lockdowns. Lockdowns proved kind of productive in many instances. They drove people indoors during the first wave. Most of the cases in, in New York City were people who were locked down.
1: Uh, an
0: article appearing in the Washington Examiner entitled Lockdowns May Not Be Effective at Stopping the Spread of COVID 19 dated 722 of this year, uh, says in part, quote, finally, new research is emerging that suggests shelter-in-place orders might actually be counterproductive in that they may do more to spread the coronavirus than prevent it. A new paper by the University of Chicago economist Casey Mulligan suggests that large organizations have an incentive to protect their employees and thus impose mitigation protocols such as mask wearing, and social distancing. By contrast, people sheltering at home are not likely to remain isolated for long. Being social creatures, they will eventually invite friends over through small parties and so on. In such gatherings, people have much less incentive to enforce mask wearing or social distancing. The imperial evidence Mulligan collected suggests that workplaces were safer than households. And it merely uh, re- repeats a thesis that has um, been around since uh, the first part of last year. That says that when we had lockdowns in the United States, what that did is that drove people inside. Uh, and taking people out of their work where generally they have actually better precautions against COVID-19, such as the aforementioned social distancing, mask wearing, those places were actually safer in terms of not getting COVID-19 than at home. Now, the people, they force people uh, together for longer periods of time. And of course, it's not just being around the COVID positive person, it's how long you're around that person. And this forced people together in smaller areas to be together for longer periods of time. And also, there are the unintended consequences, which include social isolation, depression, and increased drug abuse, all have had upticks. Uh, when the lockdown measures were going on and wherever they continue. Another attempt to uh, mitigate the spread of COVID 19 was the wearing of masks. Uh, masks in general don't afford much protection against COVID 19. The KN95 masks afford the wearer of the most protection, but only if properly worn. These are the masks. They're generally more expensive than the cloth mask you might buy or the paper mask you might buy at the drugstore or at the grocery store, k 95 They're pretty much top of the line as far as uh, protection from COVID-19. Uh, but that's not what most people wear. Most people are still wearing, if they're still wearing masks at all, they're wearing bandanas or gaiters or they're wearing simple dust masks or they're wearing a uh, cloth mask. So, in um, early episodes in the podcast, uh, I go over the effectiveness of the various kinds. Uh, so, basically, what you really need to know is K 95 mask is only one that really protects the wearer all the others at best protect others uh if you sneeze or cough on them if you have covid or some other disease it's going to protect them in in a limited fashion but at the very best that's what it what it does and uh, at the worst uh they can actually be counterproductive Um, you know, if you're touching the mask, if you're touching the business end of the mask, you know, you could be contaminating your fingers and you put your fingers on your mouth or whatever and uh, you get the disease that way. So, you just not have, you know, you have to wear the mask properly. It has to be a good mask. And um, you have to treat it, you know, you, you have to treat it like it's contaminated if you're going to touch it so you know, unless you're doing all these things you you're not really taking full advantage of the mask and as i said a lot of these masks are only useful in protecting others not the wearers somewhere next to useless acting only as a psychological bomb um, then, of course, the other mitigation, ma- major mitigation measure are the vaccines. Vaccines are an imperfect solution. Now, I think most people would say, and I would agree with them, that vaccines are the best thing we have so far for in the fight for COVID-19. Um, But not all vaccines are created equal, as I will um, describe uh, later. So let's talk about the vaccines. As we accumulate more knowledge on the effectiveness of the different vaccines, the evidence seems to be moving in a direction that we will eventually find that certain vaccines are best for some people, but not for others. So it's looking like some vaccines are probably won't be as good for the younger people. Um, uh, younger people may not be able to handle the vaccines or without side effects, um, particularly young males. Um, so these can be uh, broken down by age, stratification, or sex or health condition, and I think what we're going to find, what science is going to find uh, after we've had a chance to look at the use of vaccines objectively when, when, when more data comes in, I think what they're going to find is that each of the major vaccines, uh, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson Johnson, AstraZeneca, whatever else vaccine they come up with, will probably be the best vaccine for one group of people in particular, but not for all groups. And so, like, there may be a vaccine, for instance, that are that's safer, better for young people to take. There may be one that is safer or better for uh, males or females to take, and uh, for there may be a vaccine that if you are can't tolerate well, the traditional vaccine, maybe one of the mRNA vaccines will be better uh, because they don't use the, you know, a live host or or a live um, virus in it or any kind, you know, it's only using a very specific portion of the virus's RNA to build antibodies, Others yeah, are more traditional ones. They use kind of a, a weakened or dead form of the virus uh, to inoculate. Some people don't handle those well. And basically, I think that in the fullness of time, we're going to find that each particular vaccine is good for a particular group, it's best for a particular group. Or conversely, a particular group of people, uh, broken down by sex or age or physical condition, uh, will have a back, uh, best vaccine for them, but we don't know for sure which vaccine that is. Well, there are some indications, um, of which, you know, which ones will probably wind up being the best for, uh, what group. And finally, on the subject of vaccines, or at least for now, um, talking as a conservative blogger, you know, as a purveyor of uh, conservative knowledge and thought, um, you know, I would say most of us On the conservative side, most conservatives will tell you that vaccines are worth serious consideration, but the decision should be between you and your doctor. And I think if you can pretty much listen to AM radio all day, and that's pretty much what you'll hear from every host, some variation of the. COVID-19 is a serious disease that should be taken seriously. And the vaccines should not be discounted out of hand. And uh, you should take the time to you educate yourself and avail yourself of your doctor, doctor's knowledge or, and the knowledge of other uh, people in the medical field whose advice you trust. So... They're they're worth serious consideration, but that's a decision that should be between you and your doctor that the government ought not get between. So moving on on the next subtopic of COVID-19 response. COVID-19, particularly if you remember back in what we called early days now, of last spring you know march april may of 2020 you know in particular you know it brought out the best in some people uh the medical professionals and other first responders made a heroic effort often making do with barely adequate sometimes inadequate supplies of ppe Uh, This was especially true during the initial wave of the pandemic. And if you remember, we were kind of caught flat-footed. We had exhausted a large portion of our PPE during the swine flu pandemic of a few years earlier, and we did not replace those supplies. And so we were caught behind eight ball when this new pandemic came. And so we spent much of the first half of 2020, most 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 of 2020, at all, uh, playing catch up. Um, and while we we're doing that, the private sector stepped up and retooled to fill the need uh, for things like PPE and respirators. Often they volunteered their services. Very few times was the federal government forced to dictate to companies with, what to produce and how much uh, to produce in their factories. So you had, for instance, a lot of car companies uh, converting over, retooling to make ventilators. Um, it was assumed that we you uh, need it, require a huge amount of ventilators. That turned out not to be the case, thank God. Nonetheless, early on, we thought we were going to need them, and so, uh, kind of in the same way we did in World War II, the major uh, manufacturers uh, were asked to retool and produce the government uh, according to needs of the government and the people. And so, in much the same way they did in World War II, that was brought back. Uh, most of the companies did it voluntarily of course you know they expected to be well paid and have have, you know pretty good government contracts but ultimately it was their decision they didn't have to be told some of the some companies had to be encouraged um with the uh uh, defense uh, i forget the exact act but the, the one where the Defense the Supply Act, I believe, where that tells them that the government in ex- certain extreme national security situations, that they can, the federal government can dictate what certain companies make. Uh, again, that's what we did in World War Two, and that's what we did uh, particularly in 2020 for for the pandemic and so you had the private industry stepping up and of course you had all sorts of companies like uh, companies that have formerly made uh, brewed liquor um they changed over to creating a uh, hand sanitizer. There were a lot of companies like that or companies that made uh, various kinds of hand sanitizers before maybe they made different varieties and different sizes and they expanded their selection and so it seemed like for a while there just about everybody was getting in the hand sanitizer game which was which was good and of course now you can buy four bottles of hand sanitizer for four a dollar if you look in the right place so but that was good they stepped up um and a lot of times, uh, it was the free market that drove, it was the need of the, the, the market that dictated what these people made. And so there's very little need for the government to dictate what various companies made in their factories. And then finally, on the subject, we had the ordinary people, such as you and me, uh, make Great sacrifices with very little guarantee that these sacrifices would pay off. In some case, they were truly detrimental. There's a lot of small businesses went out of business. Um, of course, big businesses boomed during the pandemic, particularly during the lockdowns. Businesses like Amazon and a few others just boomed because they were able to absorb the costs of, furloughing workers laying off where workers um, some of them again like amazon that uh specialize in delivery of goods and products uh they made out like a bandit of course you, you don't really begrudge them the opportunity they they were there they they provided a service that uh they could uniquely provide but you know, a more cynical person might say that they they had little um, little incentive to promote anything that would stop their gravy train, and so ultimately they participated in the um, um, limiting. Of knowledge, um, censoring of certain people, certain ideas, um, anything that they might thought that would uh, put a monkey wrench in, you know, their activities that would cut off their COVID-19 gravy train. Uh, sometimes they had an active role, played an active role in suppressing uh, information. Um, but the rest of us, the rest of us, ordinary people, uh, we didn't know, we made all these sacrifices without really knowing how it was going to turn out. Uh, fortunately, uh, mainly to Operation Warp Speed, the vaccines came out in record time. They came out in less than a year when normally they would take several years to develop. Some people believe that had a Democrat been in office or a more, I don't know, a more status uh, type politician been in office at that time, uh, we may still be waiting for uh, vaccines to go through the formal uh, FDA approval process. Um, But President Trump, to his credit, uh, with operation warp speed cut out a lot of the red tape um, um, but still managed to do the testing that was essential and the de- for the development of these new vaccines so he got vaccines out in world record times so that was uh, something good that that came out of our uh COVID-19 response, or COVID-19 measures. Um, But it didn't always bring out the best in people. Um, Unfortunately, uh, in some cases, it brought out the worst in people and governments. Uh, There was strict lockdowns. Where, for the first time in history, healthy people had to be quarantined. So never before in human history, had healthy people being quarantined is always sick that were quarantined and cut off from the rest of society. Um, Scant evidence exists that prolonged lockdowns do more good than harm. So we had these draconian measures, some of them still going on in parts of the world, such as Australia. Despite the fact that scant evidence exists that prolonged uh, uh, lockdowns uh, don't don't do more harm than good, and the lockdowns, travel restrictions by their nature are repressive. Um, That's just no way of getting around that. If you're telling someone that they cannot go somewhere, then you are necessarily imposing a uh, repressive, uh, way or regime of doing things on them. Uh, another negative from the COVID, uh, measures or response was it's given people license, uh, especially for political leaders to dominate populace's bordering on the sadistic, so what am I talking about here? Um, talking about keeping the loved ones from attending their sick relatives and attending funerals. Imagine someone who is there dying of some disease, COVID or some other disease and you can't be with them and comfort them at their last moments allowing them to die uh, alone and afraid without their loved ones around them to reassure them. I would say that um, probably of all of the COVID measures. This is probably the most sadistic of all of them. Um, this And it's really not, um, there's just zero empathy towards the people who are going through this during the worst of COVID. And again, in some countries such as Australia, they still have these restrictions going on. And then uh, there, with those, you also had also uh, specious edicts by overbearing officials that cannot be backed up by science, like controlling what items can be sold in stores. I'm talking about uh, you can go to a store to buy uh, food, but you can't go to that same store and buy the clothing that's two aisles over or a new TV set that's, that's two aisles over it's ridiculous um it's kind of productive makes you take in some cases it makes you force you to take two trips instead of one you know and then long risk to catching COVID that way um and of course you the worst person at least in the United States for this was Governor Gretchen Whit- Whitmer of Michigan who made uh created these edicts um like I said, you can't. You can go to your local Walmart, for instance. You can buy food, uh, but you can't buy a TV set while you happen to be there. You can't consolidate your trips. Uh, limited uh, use of gas, being able to to buy gas. Presumably, I guess you'd have to touch the gas pump and. You know, someone before might have touched the gas pump before and had COVID. I guess that's the rationale behind that. Of course, that's not backed by science. Um, But this this was, and then, of course, you know, restricting uh, people from going uh, perhaps from a summer home to their main home uh, and vice versa to check up on either one or just to get away from other people while they want to quarantine and and be safe. Um, People were limited in their ability to do that. Then you had uh, some officials, um, you, you had some officials curtailed or eliminated. Certain basic human rights, such as freedom of religion, freedom of speech, and association with alarming ease. Um, There were many cases of this, particularly last year in 2020, um, regarding people being uh, denied their right to go to church, to worship as they see fit, um, because of COVID restrictions now. The United States Constitution does not have a an exception for disease or a pandemic. It's supposed to cover everybody equally all the time, and but uh, that right uh, went out the window. was one of the one of the first rights to go out the window. It's very alarming that people in America, United States of America, even thought to do this, but they did. Um, so I'll, I'll talk about later. It's all, it was all driven by fear. <coughs> using another thing they did was, uh, using COVID as an excuse to circumvent the constitution, to change voting laws, to favor a particular party and possibly facilitate fraud. And so more specifically, Uh, during the 2020 presidential elections. You had several states uh, change their election laws, either before, prior to, shortly prior to COVID or during COVID. Uh, uh, Usually it was, COVID was used as an excuse to greatly extend mail-in voting. you know, create the idea of mail-in voting as opposed to absentee ballots being sent out to particular people. Now you have the mass uh, mailing of mail-in ballots, which the Democrats surmised that would benefit them. So, obviously, there, there was a reason for that. And, of course, they put their uh, ballot boxes, some of the states authorized putting ballot boxes, in public places and in some cases there are specific uh, voting or election laws prohibiting that but nonetheless they did it uh, different states did there were several different things that different states did again I did mainly a whole podcast on that around the time of the election describing some of these things but uh, suffice to say that, uh, the, uh, fear of COVID-19 was exploited by people, particularly, of one particular party, we will not mention, uh, that favored them, basically reduced the need, or in some cases, basically eliminated. Any safeguards, such as voter ID, uh, made it easier, in some cases, to commit fraud. Some of these ballot boxes were not monitored. You have many instances where there's supposed to be a chain of custody. Everybody who touched a particular ballot um, is supposed to be listed and who they got the ballot from and who they gave it to that was not in every case followed Uh, some of them uh, in some cases were finding there's no explanation for where some of these ballots were received or or where they went uh, or for gaps in between uh, the chain of custody and of course the United States Constitution gives the ability to um, the primary rights to for creating election laws to the slate legislators. So in some cases, these were laws that were enacted or changed by COVID powers. Uh, In some cases, it was done, uh, such as in Pennsylvania, needed a uh, amendment or a change to their state constitution, which was not done. And these things were all known at the time. Uh, these issues were brought up. The Supreme Court decided simply not to hear them. Um, one could assume that they just didn't want to be the ones to be to uh, change the results of the election. Um, but they they uh, eschewed their opportunity and their their um, responsibility to adjudicate these things in a timely manner. Uh, When it mattered Uh, and so we have uh, some of the messages that continue on even today And so those were some of the things that uh, governments and lawmakers and officials did Um, That was not very good. That was some might say wrong Um, and but there are also th- things that uh, people, individuals did. So there, there were some people, a lot of people, by, motivated by fear have tended to become abusive against those that show reluctance to use masks or become vaccinated. Of course, this is a very polarizing and hot topic uh, going on today Uh here in August of 2020, in particular, uh, has been for a few months now. It's been heating up. Uh, Many have resorted to bullying against the vaccine-hesitant, stereotyping them as uneducated, science deniers, or stupid. Uh, The actions of these people, these these. Uh, Vaccine bullies, as I like to call them, are counterproductive. Uh, If their aim is to get people vaccinated, their efforts, I'll explain a little bit more, uh, are having the opposite effect. Uh, What they fail to understand or, or... They fail to understand or empathize with people who are reluctant to take a vaccine. They assume... What motivated them, fear, would motivate any reasonable person. They discount real concern of side effects, even though knowledge of side effects also comes from science. So basically, these are people who are claiming to follow the science and deriding other people for not following the science, even though the the people who may be worried about blood clots for instance in uh from getting a vaccine this their knowledge of blood clots and uh and uh myocardiism or you know uh heart problems uh derived from the vaccines that also come from science so you have people claiming that they're for the science yet discounting the science that other people are citing as uh, on the other side, as being, being their cause for reluctance to take a vaccine, uh, they fail to understand that some people prefer to make an analytical decision rather than emotional one. The right data, rather than scorn, derision, or shame, is what will ultimately inform their decision. So these are people know they they've been derided as anti-vaxxers um i'm here to tell you that most of the people who are derided as anti-vaxxers online by other people uh they are not anti-vaxxers in the sense that anti-vaxxers i would say are people who don't believe in vaccines in general um you know they're into conspiracy theories that it's big pharma making money off of them, um, or some other there's some other nefarious thing going on around vaccines, or that they're harmful that's being covered up, and so these are the people who are who are anti-vaxxers. But that is not most of the people who are vaccine hesitant. Um, in fact, you know, on, online it's very popular uh, in online discussions uh, around vaccines and forcing people to vaccine, you know, take vaccines. It's very popular for people on, on the left to uh, accuse people of being anti-vaxxers, and and for some reason they've associated this with being a Trump supporter um because they have this false notion that to support trump is to somehow be anti-science and so that's they've developed this myth over the years of the anti-science or the anti, or the science denying trump supporter or conservative or republican uh, they don't understand that a lot of these people are reluctant as i said precisely because they have followed the science and they and they do know that some people very very small amount but some people do um have serious experience serious side effects and sometimes even die after receiving the vaccine and even though these cases may be exceedingly rare they do happen and they should not be discounted um as i mentioned those people are also following the science and just because they're not following the same science that led to other people to take the vaccine that doesn't mean that there's that science is wrong or faulty and you shouldn't discount them as being uneducated or or dullards or whatever or hicks or or any anything of it um nature um i think if you want to reach these people i think what most of these people that are persuadable now there are some people that are true anti-vaxxers that are not going to take the vaccine uh, under any circumstance particularly if if the, if the government is uh, advocating for it so loudly they're going to do uh, they're contrarian, so they're not going to do what the government says when the government uh, is making such an effort to get them to take a vaccine. They're going to do the opposite. But the ones that are reachable, that are open to the idea, they're, they're not going to be persuaded by being demeaned, shamed, or, or talked down to these you know you want to you don't want to talk down to them you want to talk with these people show them the respect because in many cases they have probably actually have done more research than the people who are criticizing them and so i would beware the the uh sin of pride for those people um who arrogantly believe that they know better have this patronizing idea Attitude towards other people. Um, they have to understand that not everybody is fear motivated. Some people want to make a rational decision based on facts. And again, it's as the old uh, classic now facts versus feeling uh, argument. Of course, you know, the left is associated with making decisions based on feelings. Uh, The right or conservatives uh, making their decisions based on facts. And so you have, this is just another expression of the facts versus feeling battle that's going on, particularly in the United States today. This is just a continuation of it. Uh, So if you want to reach those people, My suggestion to those in power and media and the government is not to talk down to them. Talk with them. Um, Understand that their fears are, most of their fears are legitimate. They are, they come from, uh, believe it or not, researching science. And what they want, I believe... Not that I can speak to all for all of them, but I think I can speak to a great deal of them. Is that they want to know what their percentage chance is taking either course. So, what is their percentage chance if they of being uh, harmed by a vaccine versus their percentage chance of doing nothing or taking maybe some other vaccine or waiting or waiting and seeing? So they want to know uh, in a rational way what their chances are, what what percentage of the population, first of all, is susceptible. Uh, we know, for instance, that COVID-19 hits the older populations the hardest, and then also those with pre-existing conditions such as high blood pressure and... Uh, Diabetes and and conditions of those natures, those people are more susceptible. Particularly, if, you know, they have co- comorbidity of dying from COVID nineteen. So they're they're looking at that, and they're making a decision. Okay, well, I'm not in one of those high risk categories. So now, why do I need to de- to take the vaccine? And then they're seeing that. Uh, Some people who are vaccinated um, end up getting COVID anyhow. So they want to know what percentage uh, of the people who get vaccinated end up with getting COVID anyhow. And also encourage them to check out the level of severity. You know, how many people who get the vaccine end up in the hospital or ICU uh, as opposed to just coming up with symptoms or coming up positive on a test, because those are what would inform a rational decision on whether or not to get a vaccine. And the other thing is, when as information comes out, that a certain vaccine may have certain side effects to a certain range of people in a certain range of age or a certain sex or with certain underlying conditions, You know, those people want to know, okay, if I have one of, if I fit into one of those categories that has uh, seen the preponderance of harm from the vaccine, you know, what are my chances of having a complication from the vaccine? They don't want to hear that 28 people in this county died from covid unvaccinated in the past two weeks they want to hear uh you know what those 28 people what were their ages what were their sexes what was their vaccinations status they want to know uh 28 people died out of how many uh 29 or 29 million you know i think that makes a big difference And you will notice that a lot of the mainstream media, uh, a lot of the uh, online media, popular online media, they'll spit out all of these numbers. They'll say uh, four children are in the ICU in this hospital uh, without telling you what percentage of the entire population that that the hospital serves uh, is actually in the ICU. And were those four children admitted with COVID or for COVID? And what's turning out in uh, and, uh, and some studies, and there was one done in Britain recently that said that there are a lot of times uh, they're citing people, and this goes back to 2022, also where there's people being with COVID. Um, rather than for COVID. So they're being admitted maybe to the ICU with flu-like symptoms, uh, particularly with kids, um, and they're being either initially or, or um, initially with COVID, but then the, the, the test comes out that it may be something else, uh, or they're completely different reason happened to test positive for COVID. And so the rational person wants to know well why were those people uh in the ICU in the first place they want that information. And so the mainstream media and a lot of these outlets, uh online media outlets, are happy to give you the raw numbers, but what they don't do is they don't put those numbers into any sort of context. So you don't know if there was uh, four, is that four out of 4,000 or four out of 40? That makes a huge difference between what, you know, course of action you may want to take. Um, I just read something today that suggested... That your chance of dying, the chance of a fully vaccinated person dying of COVID is only slightly greater than being struck by lightning. And I forget what the actual odds are, but um, you know, when the odds, when you're talking about the odds of being struck by lightning, and you're in that ballpark, then you know that informs your decision in a way a lot different than say you know uh you you have uh your chance of dying of covid related to some other like heart disease or the cold or the flu or or tuberculosis or some other disease you know how does covid19 rate in relationship to that and so while You know these outlets are happy to give you this raw information. You know what they do. You have to understand that this information that's designed to elicit an an emotional response, a fear response. You hear, oh my gosh! You know the the hospital is ninety five percent full, or the ICU is ninety five percent full, and there's a COVID spike. And, oh, my God, um, but you need to put, put those uh, numbers in perspective, like um, 95%, you know, means that there's 5%, you know, leeway for more people to be admitted or, and also the fact that that hospitals are supposed to be at or near capacity. I mean, that's what the models of the economic models that the hospitals are nowadays, is they're kind of like hotel rooms. You know, a hotel wants to fill every room ideally, and so that's a lot. What a lot like what the hospitals do, and so you have to be able to put those numbers in perspective. You know, what percentage of the population, if forty people are in the ICU, is that? You know, how many people is that out of? How what's the, what's the sample? 40 are being taken from. Again, is it 400 or 4,000 or 4 million? Because obviously a rational decision um, would be different for each one of those scenarios. And, you know, they also want to know um, what their chances are of, you know, how bad the COVID will be, you know, if you're going to get a shot and are you going to, uh, end up in the ICU anyway, well, why am I going to bother getting a shot if I, if I'm just, if only slightly more likely to end up in the ICU than if, than someone who, who's had the shot. You know, they want to know, they want to, and what they need, what they crave are numbers, accurate numbers that are meaningful that they can use to put the figures in context. And so that's what they want. And so it's not about shaming or cajoling or uh, belittling people who are concerned about getting the vaccine. These people are often taking an analytic approach and they want uh, facts. They're not going to make their decision based on feelings. And a lot of people who have made their decision based on fear, they simply can't understand why this person next to them isn't as afraid of the disease as they are. They can't wrap their heads around the concept that people have different thresholds and different values uh, when it comes to making their decisions, particularly ones that are important that involve their health and the health of their family. Uh, The last thing I want to talk about as far as COVID is that um, what we're finding out is, as this goes on, is that COVID won't be eradicated. There will always be another variant that the power hungry can exploit the fear of and use that as an excuse to control others okay we're talking about the delta variant variant now uh, people are starting to talk about the theta variant uh, i don't know much about it but they're already moving on to the next crisis so there's always going to be a next uh another variant uh that people can use as an excuse for mask mandates or lockdowns or uh, not opening schools or forcing kids to be vaccinated or forcing vaccine passport. There's always going to be excuse for those among us who wish to control those around them. Uh, again, to go going back to those officials. I talk about who really have a borderline uh, sadistic outlook against their fellow man. Um, you know, COVID-19 is not going away. And there always will always be a, a reason for some control over others. Uh, we must eventually choose, therefore, between mask mandates lockdowns and other disruptive measures in perpetuity or learn to live with covid as we have myriad other potentially dangerous diseases okay um so you know eventually we're we're going to we're at a point now i think where we're just going to have to decide whether we're going to wear masks to work or inside for the rest of our lives, or are we just going to have to take our chances, um, maybe not do lockdowns where lockdowns are inappropriate, and and do other disruptive measures uh, and just get on with our lives. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't continue to research the disease and its cures and its treatments it doesn't mean we don't continue to create vaccines and distribute vaccines and um, share our information on vaccines with other people it doesn't mean that we uh, stop talking about uh, vaccines or other measures with people it doesn't mean we stop giving them the facts and figures that they want because you know the people who are not everybody's motivated by the same things some people are motivated by motivated by fear of the the disease some people are motivated by fear of vaccines some people are motivated by the distrust of the government um some people are motivated by the need to gain freedom and so everybody uh comes at this situation a little bit differently and the idea that there's a one size all fits all solution is just not true that there's some people that you know all they have to do is see one one person sick of covid and that's enough they'll take the vaccine they'll take whatever you want to jab in their arm and other people you have to show them the facts and you know who's getting sick who's getting sick with the vaccine who's getting sick without the vaccine what are your chances of end up ending up in the icu if you take the vaccine what's your chances if you don't take the vaccine um what are your chances if you're in a certain age range or if you have a certain health conditions, these are all factors that everybody, every individual comes from a different perspective. And I think this is one in particular in the left because there, um, the modern left is preoccupied with the uh, idea of collectivism. And so you know, the collectivist notion is that you have to sacrifice yourself for the collective. right the idea is that you have to do what the collective needs what others need for you to do to make them feel better and that's uh that's collectivism it used to be uh america was used used to be ruled by individualists and the primary philosophy was individualism now that we've crossed over um to collectivism we're having collectivism collectivist thoughts imposed upon us and so it's but this is a very individual uh, sort of problem it's it's not going to be solved with a one-size-fits-all solution and we have to recognize that some people are motivated by different things some by fear some by facts uh, some Uh, can be motivated with the promise of greater freedom. You don't have to wear wear a mask anymore, or you don't have to stay inside uh, if you get your vaccination, things like that. People have different motivations, and it's wrong to assume that, you know, someone's wrong because they don't follow the same kind of motivation that the things that motivate you, you know, what motivates you doesn't motivate everybody else. So I want to thank you for listening. Uh, I appreciate everybody who's listening, particularly in these last three episodes now, where I've gone over basically every major topic that has been covered since the inception of the Liberty Relearn podcast. And hopefully this will encourage some people to go back through the catalog because everything I talked about today is mentioned in greater detail in another podcast and so please you know take time if you liked what you hear today in particular take time and go back listen to some other other ones particularly the the last two episodes where i go over everything so thank you for listening to liberty Relearned the podcast please follow us online at libertyrelearn.com on Facebook at Liberty Relearned and follow me JP Mac on uh, Parlor. I hope to see you or hear from you from one of those uh, venues in the near future. Until then, healthy, happy, and free.